Kia ora and welcome to another deep dive here on the podcast. Um, and I'm joined by Todd Funk today. Um, this conversation is a little bit different. You know, normally we sit down here and talk about, you know, the journey somebody's been on, the things they've learned, experiences they've had. There's an element of that today. But um, this was a very deep conversation and a really interesting conversation I had with Todd today. So a bit of background on Todd. So Todd, he comes from the United States. He has a background as a science teacher in the US, taught for 10 plus years. And um, he has qualifications in biological science through the University of California, Irvine. So this guy knows his stuff. And um, I guess what I wanted to ask Todd today is because he travels the, uh, the country, New Zealand, with a group called Thinking Matters. And um, he presents talks and makes claims that both on a scientific level and a historical level that there's evidence to support the fact that there is a God and that he exists and so you know those are pretty big claims to make and obviously Todd is a Christian and as am I but I guess what I wanted to disclaim for anyone listening is that this is in no shape or form a conversation meant to strong arm anyone into thinking or believe in a certain way but what Todd's doing in this conversation is he's just presenting facts um, as they are and it's up to, up to you and up to me to make with them what you may and I'm talking the hard questions in life you know like did we evolve what about evolution and the fossil record and all the evidence that's out there for that um, I asked him about that and I guess being a biological um, researcher has given him a bit of um, background in that and some good answers but even the questions such as you know scientific proof for a designer and things like that and of course you know I had to ask him you know how do we know the Bible is legit how do we know it's not a fairy tale book and is there historical evidence for for Jesus rising from the dead like pretty crazy claims um, what about other religions um, why would a good God allow evil and suffering in our world some pretty blunt questions but what I love about Todd is that um, he's confident and, and he gives answers that are, yeah, are very, very intellectual and um, helps you see from, I guess, another point of view. And like I said earlier, this, cu- this podcast might not be everybody's cup of tea, and that's totally cool. But um, if you're like me and you're kind of asking these sorts of questions and you're intrigued, I guess, not just um, the answer of someone's experience in church and stuff like that, but an answer from a scientific and historical, I guess, fact background um, for Christianity, then I suggest you check this one out. Um, this is part one, and this is all about the science. So I hope you enjoy it. Well, Todd, it's um, as I said in that, mate, it's so awesome to get you on here. And I mean, lockdowns have brought us into um, finally getting this thing on the on the road. But it's awesome to have you, man. Yeah, it's awesome to be here. I know we've talked about this for quite a while now. So like you said, lockdown has forced our hands. So good to be here with you, Bradley. It is good. I mean, in terms of um, what we're talking about today, like, as I've said, I mean, we are both Christians, but at the Mm -hmm. same time, these are the kinds of questions and thoughts that I struggled with for a long time. And, um, you know, this is not, I suppose, a podcast where we're trying to... um, I suppose, convince someone to think a certain way, but we're, I suppose, letting the facts speak for themselves. And that's what I really appreciated when we would catch up and I'd have these kinds of questions like, Todd, what about this? What about that? So I'm really yeah. excited to, you know, yeah, unpack yeah. some I, of that. I'm always keen to help, uh, you know, add some foundation to people's faith, you know, and answer any questions that I can answer and stuff um, because there are good answers out there to a lot of the questions that plague people, both Christians and uh, non-believers. Hmm. Well, I think we're not talking about, you know, what are we going to have for dinner? We're talking about, I suppose, the fundamental reason we're alive. <laughs> so oh, exactly. I guess it's an important pursuit to kind of for people to figure out what 
what's what, you know? Well, it should be. I mean, the big worldview questions, where did we come from and, and what's the purpose of life and what is right and wrong and who determines it and where do we go after we die? Those are big worldview questions that if you don't think about them, you're either not thinking or you're just stuffing them down underneath the water, one of the two. <laughs> yeah. Uh -huh. Well, I think, Todd, like what I wanted to kind of lead in with is mm -hmm. um, because, you know, I'm speaking from behalf of my own experiences, but also people listening. Yeah. Um, out of all the kind of the worldviews there are and, I guess religions and, and philosophies and ways of thinking and believing how things came about. Yeah. Um, you know, I always was the other assumption that this Christianity thing was a wishy-washy kind of, you know, crutch for people. But yeah. I mean, here you are. How many years have you been a Christian yourself? Yeah, since I was uh, about 11 years old and I'm 58 now, so quite a while. Yeah, we'll let other people do the maths on that uh -huh. one. <laughs> uh -huh. Long time. But um, for you, man, I just am curious why. Like, I'm keen to get into those questions and I guess unpack what apologetics is. But for yeah. you, what was that thing that kind of led you to? You yeah, know? well, initially, <clears throat> I was about 11 and my parents, they had a real supernatural experience. Grandfather died, went to his funeral that day. They did. They came back that night and that night, mom mom or dad, one of them went out, went to the toilet, walked down the hall and saw a glowing red light. The other one stayed in bed and saw a glowing white light. They didn't say anything to each other until the next morning. Wow. One of them brought it up and they compared notes and they both were convinced that it, it was not anything natural or, you know, a reflection off of the light or anything else. But they thought it was a, a sign from God that, that, that the grandfather, my grandfather was okay in heaven and, and that, you know, they needed to get their lives together. So we started going to a church and uh, we all... Uh, received the Lord and got baptized. And for me at 11, it, it was genuine. It wasn't just me following in their footsteps, but I felt there was a real something tangible to it, something distinct. Um, and, you know, I, there's, a, there's a scripture that says that God places eternity in our hearts. And I remember at five years old, sitting in my bunk bed, weren't, weren't even going to church or anything, thinking, what happens after we die? Will I know I exist? Um, yeah. So, you know, I only later have I, did I read that scripture and believe, yep, that's pretty right. That's where it came from. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting because, I mean, you were also a high school science teacher, mm -hmm. um, which, I mean, we're going to get into this in a second, but many people yeah. would think is the, um, I guess, the enemy of Christianity or, or religion. Um, yeah. And then you moved to New Zealand. I mean, yeah. I'm just curious from a journey perspective, because I know even though we're going into specific topics today, I know also that, you know, this podcast is about the journey. What was your yeah. journey into teaching and then eventually moving over to New Zealand well, where we you know, met, you know? So I, I loved track and field when I was young and did it in high school and I wanted to keep running and competing. So I went to a local small college, a university that's called a community college. And I just was taking general classes and began, I kind of, you know, I kind of liked school, the educational setting, and I liked science. So I said, well, I want to keep going to university so I can keep running and uh, competing. And I like science, so I might as well declare myself a science major and, and plan to become a science teacher. And uh, that ran its course. And sure enough, true to form, um, after university and whatnot, I did. I taught sciences, earth science, physical science, life science, astronomy, oceanography. I taught for about 10 years. Wow. A lot of fun, a lot, a lot of field trips, you know, astronomy field trips and down to the Long Beach Aquarium of the Pacific and 
other things. So good, good memories teaching in Anaheim, California. Those are the funnest memories though, isn't it? The old science trips down to the Marine Reserve or, you know, totally, man, just, just never know what you're going to get, you know, kids showing up (laughs) just with all kinds of crazy stuff. You know, I'm leaving them to chaperone themselves and uh, (laughs) kids, astronomy night, we're supposed to be looking at constellations and they've got supposedly bottles of water, but come to find out, they told me it was vodka. You know, all all kind of fun stuff. Uh, You're the teacher. They tried to slip things by. Exactly. And they could, I'm too naive. (laughs) Um, Yeah. I think. um, And then you move over to New Zealand I mean, you, you yeah. stop your teaching and you move out to New Zealand. What was the, because yeah. I mean, you, as people can tell, you've still got your very, very much American accent going on. Yeah. So you obviously haven't picked us up that well. I was 40 when we came. So it was just too late for me to change. It's, it's done. It's set in cement. But yeah. Um, yeah, we were supporting Don and I, my wife, we were supporting a couple financially that had come here to do university evangelism. And uh, we decided to come over, A, to see New Zealand, and B, to see, you know, gosh, are these ministry reports true? All these lives being changed and young people on fire for the Lord with purpose. So 2001, we came for a month. And during that month, we really both felt uh, that God was speaking to us, saying he wanted us to come and be a part of the work here and do work in New Zealand. So went back home and, and got our affairs in order and packed up and either sold or gave away all of our stuff and raised a financial partnership team. and. A few years later, 2004, we landed. Thought, I thought I'd be here for a couple of years. Well, here it is, you know, 2021. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> God never shows you the whole picture, but, you know. And you, got your, just, and you got your family over here now, your kids, yeah, your grandkids. Yeah, exactly. Well, when we came, our daughters were 13 and 11. Now our, our oldest is in Australia, Melbourne, married, and our youngest is, uh, she's 29, and, and she's got two kids, giving us two grandkids, and then we kind of adopted in uh, another daughter and they, her, she's got a family. So we've grown and expanded here. And you settled in Auckland. I mean, yeah. of all places <laughs> to settle in our beautiful country. I'm not yeah. saying Auckland's not beautiful. Yeah. But... Well, and it's the old thing. It's not like we, we said, okay, let's do our research and find out what's the best place to raise kids. <laughs> best we didn't. We just yeah. felt like God wants to get here and be a part of the ministry that was here at the University of Auckland. And and so, you know, as fate would have it, here, here we are, you know, mm. now that we've traveled New Zealand, my wife says, why didn't we come here? Why don't we move there? But <laughs> yeah, the yeah. ministry base of operations is certainly Auckland and North Shore. If you could move any place that's not Auckland within New Zealand, where would you live? Where would you want to be? Oh, uh, my wife and I really like uh, Napier quite a bit. That's very nice. Uh, mm. Yeah, it'd probably be down, down in Napier. Even Tauranga is pretty nice. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, we travel the country, we've seen all the beautiful spots, you know, and scenery, but, uh, you know, people, when I travel and minister around, people say, Oh, I think God wants you in, in Hastings. God wants you. <laughs> I said, listen, you're barking up the wrong tree. If you can get my granddaughters there, you can get my wife there and you can get me there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We're going from the bottom and up. <laughs> exactly right. Um, yeah, no, Napier, I've never been, but I've heard about the art deco, um, Whatever it is they do down there. It's your artsy town, right? Yeah, we just got back from, well, they canceled it just this year. But there was a little bit of art deco feel going on. Yeah, very nice. An artistic man, eh? Man of many talents. No, my wife is artistic. I go because she likes the costumes, cosplay, dress up, all that, and the flair. So I'm just drug along, and I'm happy because she's happy, you know? You're just there to appreciate the beauty, mate. (laughs) (laughs) Not as much as her, that's for sure. Um, Well, I mean... 
let's talk about it. So you, you, you were a high school science teacher and I, I guess part one of this conversation, we really wanted to unpack that science aspect. And, you know, like I said earlier, disclaimer, you know, this isn't um, at all a podcast where we're trying to convince people to think a certain way. Um, but these are very real questions that I had and many people have. Um, and, you know, at the end of the day, if if people are choosing this Christianity pathway, um, it's kind of an all-in type of deal. Mm-hmm. But I guess off the bat, I mean, I was assuming that evolution, and we're talking science, it was a done deal. It was, um, you know, I was assuming that it was what everyone in the science world thought was happening, and then the Christians were just turning a blind eye and saying they don't want to hear that stuff. Yeah, yeah. And and that's the old thing. The, the, the memes out there and, you know, your discovery and Nova and these kinds of programs would make it seem like, and Richard Dawkins, a prominent biologist, atheist, would make it seem like anybody with a brain has to believe that, but uh, that's actually, it's actually not, not the case. Uh, We're, we're all, um, our outlooks are tainted by our, our perspectives, our biases, our, our lenses we wear. Um, I I like to show uh, the visual of a, of two people looking at either a six or a nine, one guy's standing on one side, the other guy's standing on the other and they're arguing, it's a six, it's a nine, it's a six, it's a nine. And from their different perspectives, they're, they're both right. Um, now obviously with the theory of evolution, either we evolved from primordial slime to man, or we did not. And there's, um, you know, is there evidence there's evidence that uh, of, a, a, of a similarity of design. Things look similar in different species, but that, that's a matter of perspective. Either they evolve from one to another or they have a common designer, which use common design features. Like you see common designs in some of the Ford automobiles. They might have replaceable carburetors or, you know, um, yeah. swap carbs and stuff like that. Um, is there... Uh, you know, evidence of, of dissent with modification. I believe so that, that, you know, the finches that Darwin observed were uh, slightly different one from another, uh, the, from their ancestors and what, and yet they were still finches. Um, you know, mm. did, did, did their DNA shift and modify? Well, that, that remains uh, the, the controversy there. Um, uh, I think a good designer will leave a vast array of, possibilities in a genome just like an automobile maker i mean i I live by big bear california on a summer day you'd be up in big bear and need your top down and you know up rather and you'd need your heater on in your automobile but as you drove down in the inland empire it might be 100 100 degrees down there and you need to put your cooler on and so within that same automobile you've got a heater you've got a cooler you've got a convertible and you've got a top up and it's because the designer um, designed in a vast array for the needs of the driver. And certainly a, an all-intelligent God could have done the same in his species when he created their, their DNA, their genetic code. Hmm. Um, and, you know, there, there's a lot of scientists who insist that we evolve, but there's a lot of scientists that, that have a great skepticism. Bradley, have you ever heard of a scientific descent from Darwin? No, but I'm assuming we're talking about scientists that have kind of moved away from. Well, yeah, it's called a scientific descent from Darwinism put out by the um, Discovery Institute. They've got over a thousand signatures, signatures of top um, PhD scientists from all scientific fields 
who've signed a petition uh, stating their skepticism about the ability of random mutations in natural selection to account for the complexity of life. Calling for, and they're very brave, brave because people have been blackballed and lost their jobs and lost their tenures for speaking out and even mentioning what you just mentioned, um, intelligent design, as if there's some intelligence there. Mm. Um, That's really interesting because I think, I guess the assumption is everyone that has got a PhD working in the science field um, agree. What what actually, if you could break it down even for me, mm-hmm. I mean evolutional Darwinian. What's the what's the saying? Darwinism. Darwinism, yeah. Darwinian evolution. Yeah, is all about you know from slime to monkey to man. Yeah. Can you give me more of a a robust? I guess what his actual theory is because i think yeah. what i learned is that it's a lot different to what we actually thought it's not just that we kind of went from this to that to the other thing there's a quite more extreme um beliefs in there of his you know yeah well it's a bit more nuanced obviously i've broad brushed the picture but let's just take one nuance going um from reptiles to bird that was supposedly the course of evolution just going from reptilian to bird um from from dinosaurs to birds, uh, you look, when you break the theory down, you've got to have a, a mechanism of change. In other words, you have got to code for um, the proteins which make unique structures. You're going to need feathers. You're going to need air sacs. You're going to need lots of different changes in that, okay? So the only mechanisms Darwin evolution can grab for are random mutations and natural selection. Random mutations are this. It would be like saying, I'm gonna take a computer program which is coded to play chess. You've seen those, uh, you know, you can play chess with your computer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why anybody would ever do that, you're gonna lose every time. But anyway. I know, I know, it's rigged. <laughs> it's, it's very but rigged. <laughs> we're going to change that into um, uh, a missile launch program, a missile missile launching program or a missile detection program, something totally different. That's possible. But you and I both know to do that, you're going to take, you're going to need some very intelligent input. And uh, chances are, if it's done by a novice or, or me or somebody doesn't understand coding, you're going to screw up the initial program. You're not even going to be able to play chess anymore. You're going to break it. Now, the only tool in the shed for the Darwinist is random mutations it, it, it's that's just what it sounds like um the genes the genetic instructions found within the reptiles are going to have to randomly change up just by chance um and get lucky enough to perform a function to build a feather to build um air sacs or whatever it's going to take and of course not nature is going to select everything positive and valuable it's going to select um, but the theory breaks down. We don't see uh, intelligence coming from, from randomness. We know that if we blindfold ourselves uh, and we start pecking away at the computer, we're going to destroy the, the code, the program. <laughs> we're going to break our computer. That's yeah. what we see in the real world. But if your starting point is there is no God, there is no supernatural, there's only materialism, just just atoms and molecules, there can't be a God, therefore there's not an intelligent being, well, you don't have much left. You don't have many tools in the shed to go by. So no matter how much faith it takes, 
if your a priori starting point is there absolutely is no God, then, then of course, you've got nothing <clears throat> but to believe, uh, to believe that. Yeah. Well, what about the fossil record, though? Because, I mean, there is a fossil record, and it shows along the way different, I guess, stages or, or, or structures and bone structures of um, developing, I suppose, species. Isn't that a little bit of a slap in the face for Christians? Well, let's use the example I was just talking about, the, the reptiles to birds. The, what, you, what you'd consider prehistoric birds are all flying birds. The Archaeopteryx, the, 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 the raptors, all of those things are flying birds. If you want to impress me, show me something that's in between. If this process took uh, supposedly hundreds of thousands or millions of years, which it would have, according to the slow, gradual Darwinian theory, you would have everything in between a true reptile and a true bird. We do not. Uh, we have truly flying, flying, flying ancient birds. And so, you know, you can piece things together and make a theory that says they must be related and they must have evolved. Or you can say, you know, uh, when God created things, he created a great diversity. Many of them have become extinct. Um, there has been a limited amount of descent with modifications, um, which is a, you know, a, a lowercase e evolution. Things have mm. changed. I'm not going to deny that on a small micro scale. Um, but in the fossil record, what you mostly see is, is, um, stasis. Stasis means things are mostly staying the same. Sudden appearance and stasis. Sudden appearance means you don't see a gradual progression up to that. You see it uh, like in the Cambrian explosion. You see species just rapidly and abruptly appearing out of nowhere with no precursor ancestors. And you see the fossils of crayfish and bumblebees are supposedly millions of years old looking and being functionally the same as they are today. That is what you would expect if divine creation were the truth. That's really interesting. So I guess what you're saying is you have the A of the fossil, but you don't have A, B, C, D, E, F, G. You've kind of got like A, F, you know, W. Yeah. Well, exactly. Like it's exactly. And again, let me go back to the, 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 the just the one instance I'm talking about, the reptiles to bird. The very in-between intermediate species and, and structures would be maladapted, not more adapted, but maladapted. Can you imagine, Bradley, uh, you're on your way, nature's on its way to making a fully functional wing, another 100,000 years and it's gonna be there. But what have you got for 100,000 years? You've got a reptile dragging those non-working wings through the forest, trying to prevent being eaten and trying to capture its prey. Mm. I'm sorry, it's less adapted than a true uh, you know, reptile there. And you can make that same argument with lots of features and functions of organisms until it's fully, fully formed and fully functioning. It is a disadvantage, not an advantage to the organism. Um, yeah, it's interesting because, I mean, the way you're presenting what you're saying, uh -huh. matter of factly, I've heard presented matter of factly from, say, you know, I'm a school teacher, you were a school teacher, yeah, yeah, and I'm yeah. talking more, you know, your upper secondary school students, but they're getting taught this, um, and I was getting taught this, the yeah. theory of evolution yeah, um, as fact. And I don't know if you have an answer to that, but why yeah. why maybe say in school curricula that has been taught as fact, do you think? 
Yeah. I mean, you might not have an answer for me, but. Well, the, the, the reigning paradigm in the educational system is called scientism. Not science, scientism. It is the dogma that has as its starting point nothing but naturalism. In other words, we will not accept any supernatural uh, uh, theories or explanations of anything. Well, what's left on the plate? Well, it's Darwinian evolution. It's, it's abiogenesis that somehow life came from non-life, al although uh, the laws of biology has told us for, for centuries since we've been studying it, life only comes from pre-existing life. Um, and so they're reaching it at, at, you know, whatever's out there on the table. Um, there are some people, not all, but there are some people, some scientists uh, that, that do not want evolution, excuse me, they do not want creation to be true because if creation is true, then there is a creator who they must uh, answer for. Um, mm. I mean, uh, yeah, there's a guy named uh, Thomas Nagel. Can I read a quote or is that a little too uh, obtuse? Mate, give us a quote, mate. Yes, you're the, ma you're the man of the moment. Thomas Nagel, he's a respected atheist philosopher out of New York University, wrote a book, Mind, uh, Mind and Cosmos. And he argued that the, the, against the neo-Darwinian view of, of consciousness. Uh, he said this, he says, I speak from experience being strongly subject to fear myself. I want atheism to be true. Now remember, he's an atheist and am made uneasy by the fact that some of the most intelligent and well-informed people I know are religious believers. It isn't just that I don't believe in God and naturally hope that I'm right in my belief. It's that I hope there is no God. I don't want there to be God. I don't want the universe to be like that. My guess is that this cosmic authority problem is not a rare condition uh, and that it is responsible for much of the scientism and reductionism of our time. Interesting. One of the, yeah, one of the tendencies it supports is the ludicrous overuse of evolutionary biology to explain everything about human life, including everything about human mind. Um, he says it's a ridiculous situation and it's irrational. Um, to, he said it's just as irrational to be influenced by one's belief, uh, beliefs by the hope that God exists uh, um, as the hope that God does exist. In other words, either way, you can be influenced in your thinking and rationale in an in a extreme hope that God is there or an extreme hope that God isn't there. It can, it can change and it can even change, you know, your outlook and taint your scientific uh, lenses, if you will. Mm, so, because that, that's quite a, I'm not saying that you're making accusations, but that's quite a big statement to say that a lot of our top, um, I guess, um, researchers or, or um but you know people that are in the, this field yeah. that are saying that their lenses maybe they don't want it to be true so you are you saying that that could most definitely taint the information coming our way secularly because people in those forums are not wanting it yeah certainly that the textbook writers have stated as such we will not allow religion into the textbooks we, we, we're only going to accept science well you know, science is, is a great tool for discovery and invention and, and prediction and whatnot, um, but, it, but it has its, its limitations. A metal detector is fantastic for finding lost watches and coins on the beach, um, right. but, it, but it does not mean that there's no plastic spoon hidden down there. It's a great tool, but it's, <laughs> it's, not, it's not meant to detect a plastic spoon. <laughs> I love these little analogies, Todd. <laughs> because, because, I mean, that's the reality is that analogies like these um, help people like myself who mm -hmm. genuinely want truth at the end of the day. Like, I've heard enough bullcrap in my time to, you know, want to actually 
hear truth, um, yeah. not filtered through, I guess, a lens already. Um, yeah. and, and I guess that's what this kind of conversation is about, not just for me, yeah. um, but for anyone else that might be in the same boat as me that have had or have those kind of thoughts or doubts or whatever. Um, yeah. What about the Big Bang then? Because, I mean, okay, you're telling me these things about evolution of, of, mm-hmm. of a species, but what about our planet? Isn't it scientifically proven there was, an, there was a bang and that's kind of how it was all created? Or am I yeah. totally wrong in assuming that? No, no. Um, I, I, I agree. I, the, the, the best cosmological um, evidence out there does point to a Big Bang 13.7, give or take, a billion years ago. Um, and that was the start of, of the universe and the, the solar systems, including our own, have, have quote unquote evolved from that. Now, there, to me, there's way too much evidence to try and refute that and say, no, I, I think that, uh, you know, the Earth and universe is only, you know, six or so thousand years ago. I used to be a literal young, six-day six young Earth creationist. I, I held that tenaciously uh, until the science and until I, I've read some good theologians, which, which pointed towards a different model that Genesis might be speaking of ages and speaking uh, figuratively about certain events. Um, and so there are good Christian science thinkers on both sides of that equation. There are still some that, 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 that believe in, that the earth and universe is 6,000 years old, created in six literal days. But there's a whole slew of other ones um, that, that will hold what I, I just you know, proposed, that, that um, the, the accounts of Genesis are kind of speaking um, in the language of the day and speaking in ages rather than literal six-day time periods. And so I have no problem with the Big Bang. I have no problem with long ages. I have no problem with long ages on the earth, dinosaurs being extinct 65 million years ago. But where I, I draw the line is um, that I believe that there has been no guiding hand, especially on, on planet Earth with life and especially human life. It is certainly um, distinct from um, all, all other quote unquote lower life forms. Mm. I think, um, I guess what you're saying is that, you know, science in and itself is not an enemy of God no. or the thought of God. Um, do, no. apart, uh, do you have any other, I guess, arguments or, or reasons that you think science actually goes hand in hand with, um, you know, with the worldview that is theism? Let's, let's yeah. not even talk about Christianity because we can yeah. get to that later because yeah, yeah. the, the reality is maybe we're right and there was a creator, yeah. but how do we know it wasn't Buddha or wasn't, you know, right. whatever it was? So well, let's get to that later. But in terms of theism, where we believe there was a an intelligent being designing yeah, life as it is. Um, scientifically, have you got things that, you know, instead of arguing against the theory of evolution, is there th- ways that yeah. science combat? Yeah, uh, not combat. Yeah. What's the word? Combine with? Yeah. Know? Well, let me. Okay, so let me lay to rest the the um, meme that's out there, the accusation that that science has buried God, or science is the enemy of religion and God. That's so, a book, isn't it? Yeah. Um. There's <laughs> been lots written about it. Um. But far from that, contrary to that, Christian theism has been the backbone upon which modern science rests and has been built. Um, Science arose in the West because of uh, Christian belief, not just theism, but Christian belief. It didn't arise in the East. There's been authors that have recognized and written about this. There's a Chinese author that talked about it, and it was because 
of their Christian belief in an orderly God that created an orderly universe. And because it was orderly, they set out to discover it. When Isaac Newton discovered the laws of gravity and wrote about them, he didn't say, ah, there we go, the laws of gravity, we don't need God. No, he, yeah. he went out and wrote Principia Mathematica, uh, one of the, 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 the most uh, kind of prestigious scientific writings uh, of all time, really. And in the, in the cover of it, the leaf of it, he said he would hope that this would help the thinking man come to God or something to that effect. And so not only did it just not do away with the need for God, it pointed towards God and it says, look, we have laws. There must be a law giver. Some of the most renowned and well-known scientists uh, of all times have been uh, Christians or at least theists. We've got your, your Isaac Newtons. You've, you've got um, um, people, you know, Louis Pasteur and, and Gregory Mendel and the list goes on and on and on. And, and it's not to compare a list of theists versus atheists, but it's just to put to put to rest um, the myth that science, excuse me, religion has been the enemy of science. It right. has not. It's not. It's it's there are still many practicing scientists today. Uh, uh, the doctor, Dr. James Tour, he's the, the a renowned nano scientist. He builds nano machines, which means they're made of molecules. They're not just tiny. They're made of molecules. He had one crawl across a gold foil. Uh, you know, it took about five or six hours. It was small, but it was solar powered. And so he knows well about constructing things from molecules. He, uh, he's a Christian. He says, look, to, to think that, that, that even the precursors of life could have just formed randomly. Well, the only yeah. people that would say that are people who have never actually constructed any, any, anything of molecular significance in the laboratory. Right. Um, so I'm kind of off track. You asked me uh, about positive evidences. And, and I, I think the, the largest evidence that remains uh, just hugely unanswered is the evidence of intelligent design, uh, specifically information, information in DNA. Right. Um, DNA is nothing but uh, a digital code. Uh, Bill Gates said of DNA, and Bill Gates knows a thing or two about information. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> uh -huh. He said he said DNA is like a computer program, only more complex than any program ever built. And so the big question is, um, you know, we wouldn't dare think that any Microsoft product just fell off a shelf or came as a product of an explosion or anything random. We know that every program requires a programmer. Right. Every single living organism on this planet has DNA. There's no such thing as simple DNA. There's no such thing as a simple organism. Uh, there's nothing simple about a quote unquote simple cell. You and I, our DNA has 32 gigs of information. Um, you know, if you were to write that out, it would it would take five million pages, single space, twelve font. It'd take you the rest of your life probably to read it all. Where, because where is DNA stored? Because I, I mean, this is I might sound like a very dumb question, yeah, but right. gotta love the dumb questions. Yeah. But you know, I always assumed it's like you know, you see the the on TV and it's wired up someone's spine or something. Yeah. But where where is well, DNA? Is it within cells itself or exactly? You're whether it's a single-celled organism or whether it's multi-celled like us, we have about several trillion cells in us. Every single cell has a copy of our genetic code, the information for everything in our body. Now, the DNA in your liver cells are not going to express the, the, the same content as the, the, the DNA 
um, of say a, a brain cell or a red blood cell, but it's all there. It's like the whole book is there in every cell, but only certain chapters of the book are read in the skin cells or the cheek cells or the brain cells or whatever. Uh, right. That's called being expressed. Um, but there's just volumes of information. And to think that that is the product of randomness, uh, I don't care how long, uh, how much time is there, it's not going to happen. We've never seen any example of information coming from anything other than intelligence, not, not information in a, co a musical composition, not information found in a book, not information found in a, <clears throat> a building or a structure or anything. Right. And so that's a question that remains completely unanswered. The inference to the best explanation is uh, the information came from an intelligent being. Mm. Well, what about, um, I guess, because well, what you're saying is for there to be, um, yeah, something that's designed, there's a designer. Yeah. What about when you see things where, I think I read something recently where we've got some sort of, something like 70 or 80% of the same DNA is found in like a banana or something ridiculous like that, yeah. um, where DNA is similar from human to non-human, well, I mean, you know, animal or, or whatever, what, what would you, how do you kind of combat that? Okay. Well, let's say it, which I'll just take it at face value and, and, and won't argue the statistics. The numbers have been shifting and yep. whatnot. Um, but it's, it's that there, it's not the DNA that is in common that makes the uniqueness. It is the DNA that is different. You've heard the argument perhaps that we're 98% the same as chimp or something. But right. you, go to, you go to the zoo and you look at that chimp and hopefully you'll see a light year difference between yourself and the, and the chimp. Yeah, yeah. From A to Z. And so the percentage of difference is not as big as, uh, excuse me, a small percent of difference can make a huge difference in in uh, the, the the being um and so you know again if if you did have the same designer if god designed it all um why would he want to start from scratch with every single organism true um, you know i mean a filing cabinet may have some of the, the the same metals and parts as as a jumbo jet um but yet they're not the same it's how they're arranged and and you know the uniquenesses that make them just that unique that's a very interesting thought. I've never thought about it that way. Um, mm. Even the whole idea of, um, you know, there being, I guess, similarities in DNA, but I've heard the argument, and I think I've heard you say this to me before, it's a bad argument, but the whole, well, if we did evolve, why are there still monkeys, you know? But that's not really a plausible yeah. argument no it? it's not it's not it's not even under the theory of, of of evolution or natural selection nature selects against the less fit um and and different organisms will will thrive in different ecosystems some some things because of a changing environment will go extinct um we aren't swinging through the trees and living in the rain like the orangutans and monkeys <laughs> yeah. we occupy a different niche um, and so, yeah, it's, it's, it's a non, non-starter of an argument. Um, I guess I'm, I'm interested to move into, I guess, I guess if we're talking theism being something that is legitimate through science, and I think you've raised some really good points, Todd. Okay. Um, and you know, obviously some people can, um, include myself, push back on those like I have many times over coffee. Mm -hmm. Um, but in terms of, before we kind of try and narrow down theism to 
your worldview of Christianity or our worldview. Yeah. Um, was is there any last remarks you'd make as a you know former science teacher in the science realm in terms of people having evolution or science as a stumbling block for them to actually think there's more to life than what they see? Was was there any parting shots you would kind of add to that kind of column? Well, where it it, it really became quite obvious that some science-minded people, some science, some uh, are, are very um, motivated by um, not necessarily intellectual arguments, but rather motivated by um, kind of the morality of it or the, um, that is, is when I was doing a, a Saturday workshop, when I was a teacher, I remember going through the textbook with a group of our district science teachers and talking about how much speculation there was in the in the chapters about evolution and origins and stuff and even showed them some contrary evidences and uh, a couple of guys were getting real flustered and agitated and finally got up and stormed out of the room in, in a huff you know yeah and uh, I I about six months later the, my teacher friend uh, at the same school he flipped a, a newspaper at me when I was eating lunch and and it showed this guy's name uh, he was being um, indicted under 15 counts of of child molestation he was a middle school teacher and he was molesting the little girls there you see if what i was saying if the implications of what i was saying was true that there's problems with evolution then then there is a god then he had um not intellectual problems with it but he had moral problems with it he had um kind of your your you know they they weren't rational objections they were emotional objections that's mm-hmm. why you can see people getting so upset when we talk about um god and theism and intelligent design um it's that they they don't want they don't they don't they don't want there to be a creator because then there's moral accountability um yeah um, I've, and i think something you said to me once um when i was and when i still ask these kinds of questions is um yeah, I think you said something along the lines of Brad. If anything, let this put your mind at ease. Um, that I was a science teacher, and I have studied evolution and and scientific, uh, I guess, um, evidence for intelligent design, and that is the least of my concerns in terms of my doubts about if there's a God. Oh, totally, totally right. I mean, when I first started studying, I was a, a biology major at UC Irvine. And I, I, re, I recommit. I was backslidden. I was not serving the Lord during my university years there. Um, I was living just very selfishly and hedonistically like anybody else. That was the perfect time for me to buy that evolutionary dogma and walk away and hook, line, and sinker. Right. Um, but but uh, part of the, the nagging problems in the back of my head, I'd go to the, the bio, biomedical library and research um, genetic mutations um, because that's the crux of, of evolutionary theory. And I just found it to be completely wanting. And I recommitted my life to Christ during those years. And it's been just a pet area of study. Um, and, uh, you know, what I do, if you don't believe me, find some debates. Find some, some, some people debating evolutionists. Let the best of both worlds speak for themselves. Don't just okay. hear the sound of one hand clapping. Yeah. And, I, and, I, and I would, uh, you know, commend people to do that i'm not afraid of it um i I listen to dr stephen myers debate people and and others and and man they hold their own they go toe to toe they they ask the tough questions yeah that that just don't get answered 
Yeah, that's really interesting. And maybe I'll um, I'll post alongside this podcast um, some places where people can go and um, and find those things. Sure. Um, awesome, Todd. Well, um, scientific scientifics. That's horrible English. Um, science aside, let's narrow this down to um, in terms of theism. Let's narrow this down to what you believe to be true in terms of Christianity. Well, um, if you made it this far, good on ya. <laughs> and um, man, I feel like this podcast is more for me than anyone else because I mean, these are the questions I'm asking. And um, thank you, Todd, for for sharing your knowledge on that one. And part one, part two, um, we're going to be talking about the historical kind of stuff, the basis for the Bible. How do we know it's legit? Is there historical evidence to support the fact that Jesus rose from the dead? Um, is there even archaeological evidence that kind of support what's in the Bible? How do we know Christianity is the right one amongst all religions? And why is there suffering? All those kinds of questions I asked Todd. And he gave some pretty interesting answers. So um, if you're like me and you want to know more and you want to check out more, well, keep your eyes peeled for part two. But um, yeah, till then, ngā mihi. <laughs>